Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Women's Football Success. Today's episode is 1915, and we will be airing episode 1915 on April 17th. I'm your host, Lynn Marie Liberty Ellington. I'm the co-owner of the Dallas Elite Women's Football Team, and I am also an attorney. So my disclosure is that I am an attorney, but I'm not your attorney. I'm licensed to practice law in the state of Arkansas. I do not practice law in any other state. Any of the information I provide here on the blog, on the website, on the radio show, in our print digital material or print digital or uh, books are is all considered business information. It is not legal advice. It does not create an attorney-client relationship between us. Therefore, if you have an, a legal issue with regards to whatever business situation, please seek out an attorney in that area of law that has experience in that area of law in the jurisdiction or the area that you live and work in. With that being said, last week's episode, um, I talked about the AAF closure. I also talked to Candace Avalos of the La Muerte or yeah, La Muerte de las Cruces down in Las Cruces, New Mexico, and shared with you um, her tips for getting 2,200 people in the stands. That's pretty cool. So we shared that with you guys a little bit. And then, so today I'm going to go over week two of the WFA scores, kind of let's get an idea of how teams are performing. Then I'm going to um, put some information out there about what teams should be doing week two. A lot of times people, uh, the teams think that, okay, we got our away games taken care of. We got our home game processes taken care of. Now we're just going to ride out the season and see how it goes. That is absolutely not what you want to do. So I'm going to share with you what to do in uh, week two and going forward. And then also look at um, not necessarily based on past experience, but I'm going to help you with advanced planning for the weeks ahead. And of course, I get a call right now and I am not going to take it. I thought I turned that down. I thought I turned that volume down. Hold on just a second. Turn my volume down. Okay. Um, I wanna get through this radio show and then I will take calls. Um, but with that being said, once I do that, talk about those things. Then I'm going to also talk about uh, women's football in general um, and uh, league information. So let's get started. Real quick, I got to move over to WFA. So how's everybody doing this week? Um, it's a crazy week in the WFA here. Shout out. Let's see here. Okay, so let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about games. Okay, so I'm going to go through week two, kind of do a rundown. And I understand that it it it's kind of fluff. It, it, it takes a lot of time. But I also want to talk about, like, what teams um, may uh, be standouts, maybe showing their, uh, their colors, um, what other teams might be struggling with. So let's, let's get started with that. So, okay. So week two, and I'm just running down the list. You can find this information at www.wfaprofootball.com. 
click up at the top on game info and then go to um, games and scores. So New York Wolves went to the Boston Renegade. Uh, Boston beat them 68 to 14. A close game we have Baltimore Nighthawks went to Philly Phantoms and the Nighthawks won by one point. Philly was 20, Nighthawks 21. The New York Knockout, zero, went to the Connecticut Hawks, 21. The DC Divas pretty handily beat the Pittsburgh Passion, 54 to 22. Still, you know, scoring on both sides is, you know, always what we want to see. Cleveland Fusion, 46, Capital City Savage, zero. Now, again, Columbus Vanguards and the Grand Rapid Tidal Waves, uh, you know, looks like it was a, a closer game or low scoring game, but still potential to, to make changes. Columbus Vanguards uh, won 12 to 6 at Grand Rapids. Columbus Comets, 20. Derby City Dynamite, 8. The Orlando Anarchy hosted the South Carolina Smash and the. Overall, 48-6 to six was the score. Cincinnati Sizzle went to Knoxville Lightning and beat them at their home, 22-8. I'm pretty sure Knoxville beat Derby City last week pretty handily. But um, let's move on. Tampa Bay Inferno, 47, at Jacksonville Dixie Blues, 0. Miami Fury... 38 or 34 at Daytona Wave Runners. The St. Louis Smash seemed to be back in action. St. Louis uh, Smash, St. Louis Smash, St. Louis Slam. Okay, St. Louis Slam. They have a long history in women's football. They scored 28 points to the Kansas City Titans oh, with eight points. Now the St. Louis Slam are Division Two and Kansas City is Division One, So that will probably affect some massy stuff there. The Arlington Impact beat Tulsa Threat. So it looks like Tulsa went to Arlington. Arlington won 50 to zip. Um, Arkansas Wildcats, shout out. Arkansas Wildcats went to the Iowa Phoenix and were beat 24 to zip. Houston Energy hosted the Houston Power, so that wasn't a big travel for them. But Houston Energy won 56 to zip. The Dallas Elite, our team, um, hosted the Camo County Camo. Shout out to them. Uh, long trip, rained. It was the rain was crazy, and we can talk about that a little bit later. But um, the Dallas Elite won 42 to zip. The Tacoma Trauma and the Seattle Spartans had a closer game, 18-8. Uh, to 8. Portland Shockwave, 53, hosted Oregon Hawks, and they scored 14. So the, shock, the Shockwave beat them handily. Mile High Blaze, 75, at Utah Blitz, 0. Then, um, let's see. The Rocky Mountain Thundercats won 56-0 against the Rio Grande Heat. And if I'm not mistaken, the Thundercats lost to the Mile High Blaze by a significant amount. 
So I'm thinking that the Mile High Blaze is having some real big, big scoring games here. The Phoenix Phantoms went to Las Cruces and beat Las Cruces in their home. Let's see here. And I believe I'll check that when we get to that section, but I'm pretty sure Las Cruces won last week. So they will have a split uh, one and one, I think. The Sin City Trojans went to the Ventura Wolf Pack and beat them 28 to eight. Kern County Crusaders, 43, hosted the Eastern Sierra Mustangs that had zero score. And then finally, the Mississippi Panthers, 50, Acadiana Zydeco, 6. So let me go back over here real quick and just make sure that I. Regular season stats. Let me look there because um, I want to make sure that I'm giving you good info here on the team this is not going to give me this right now hold on just a second i'm wanting to get the current um not the rankings the rankings really don't matter right now if everybody if anybody and everybody understands that um the wfa and there's been some discussion on the board um about the massey ratings um it is a an algorithm from what I understand. I mean, it's not stuff that we're just gonna be able to calculate um, sitting here with a pen and paper. The um, the Massey ratings adds in stuff that was done last year with this year in those first few weeks um, to kind of get a, a base ranking from what I understand. And then, let's see here, hold on, national ranking. I'm trying to see if I can get the, okay, here we go. This is what I want. Okay, so right now, um, the Boston Renegade are ranked two, are, have two wins and zero losses, ranked number one, and the DC Divas have played one game, uh, well, one game's entered here with uh, um, one win and zero losses. Now, this is a little complicated here, guys, because if you look at the different conferences, it's showing some of the teams that have zero and zero are ranked higher than teams that have two and zero, oh because it has a those those different calculations in there. So as things start to even out, I would assume that things will start to come uh, have more of an equilibrium. Will will come into balance if that makes sense to you guys. Um, because some of the stats are still being taken from last year or still impacting this year's stuff, the stats aren't taking effect, but the impact of certain pieces of information are. Let's go into uh, Division Two, which it seems to be a little bit more. Yeah, okay, so there we go. So if you go into Division Two, it's a lot easier to show because uh, Division One has so few teams, I think that's what's skewing the information. But let's look at Division Two here, and I'm showing here the rank three, four, five, six, seven, ten, eleven, and forty. 
Now, Indy Crash ended up not going, so they're they're out of it for this season. They may be coming back next season. But if you look at this, um, there's still some skewing of the numbers because if you look here, there's some teams like uh, ranked number 10, the Cleveland Fusion, that are one and one. So they have 50-50. And Philly Phantoms, ranked number seven, they're zero and one. So they're actually ranked zero or 0% 0 wins whereas the Cleveland Fusion would have 50% wins. So there's still some information here that's a little uh, skewed. But with that being said, ultimately, um, as we add more information and more weeks come about in the WFA, there will be more information about that. Uh, it, it'll start to, to even out and fix itself. Now, right now, again, so just for my team, the Dallas Elite, are ranked fifth out of seven. Um, it shows that we've played one game. So we have. So other teams have played two games. We've only played one. Um, but there's another team, the Dal the DC Divas, that have only played one game from what's entered here. So um, those things will start to kind of switch around and change. Let's go to the WFA. Um, Division three, which has a significant number of teams. And let's see here. And I think as we go through the the next few weeks, um, see now this one looks a little bit better too, but there are still some like ranked 15th, the Richmond Black Widows. They're 0 and 1, and they're ranked higher than Columbus Vanguards at 1 and 1, even though they're the same division. So as more data is entered, there will be a more fluid, accurate picture of how the teams are doing. Okay, so interestingly, let me go back. The questions that I had, let me go here. I'm looking for, um, so yeah, so the Derby City Dynamite played the Lightning. Okay, so the Derby... Okay, I gotcha. So the the lightning are zero and two. So that was that's incorrect. That's not how that went. Um, I was under the impression, and I won't say it again because then I'll just continue to confuse people. But um, I was under the impression that two teams had played each other and they and had one score, and it wasn't. Um, the other one that I wanted to look at was okay. So the Utah Blitz is zero and two. The Mile High Blaze played last week. They played the Thundercats, and they beat the Thundercats. And they also beat, let's click into them. Let's see if it'll give me them. So, for example, looking at this, you can see that the Mile High Blaze played Rocky Mountain Thundercats and won 42-6. to six. And then they played the Utah Blitz, and it was 75 to zip. So they are on a good streak with a lot of points, right? 
But with that being said, if there's several teams that are on a good streak with lots of points, there are going to be some teams that are not. St. Louis Slam seems to be doing pretty good. They beat the um, Arkansas Wildcats 35 to zip and then went on to beat the Kansas City Titans 28 to 8. One of the things that impacts or one of the things that is so significantly different between rankings and stats in other football realms I don't want to I don't want to compare us to the NFL because it's just not really a comparison there. But from month or sorry, from season to season, a team can change. So even though they're considered a division one or a division two or division three team, their play on the field can be significantly different this season than it was last season. And their strength of what I call strength of business instead of strength of schedule. Strength of business can significantly change because of a split, because of a, a coaching staff change, um, because uh, people aren't paying player fees, uh, because they have less sponsors this year. All these things can impact what's going on in a team. So you can have a team that's ranked really, really high one season and the next season go into a downward spiral, right? I think we can all agree with that. Okay, so let's switch over, and I'm going to go over here on just a second. So I want to talk a little bit about um, going into it. So um, what teams can do in week two, even, even just here at the beginning of the season, there are... Some teams that are very successful and some teams that are not so successful. And sometimes even by week two, you start to see a change, a shift in a team. Especially if they are have they have two back-to-back -back losing games. And or if they have two back-to-back -back losing games by a significant amount of points. Hold on just a second. Sometimes you can see a momentum shift. Um, and so it's very important to kind of evaluate the teams based on, you know, what they've done to prepare for this. Because anytime, you know, when you're going into this competitive environment, because there are winners and losers, you, you have to be prepared as a team psychologically and emotionally and financially for win it's not necessarily a winning season or win after win after win after win. So it's very important to make sure that the team continues to understand what they're trying to do. Um, the, the basic foundation of getting, uh, giving an opportunity for women to play football um, tends to be um, – the more important message when teams are struggling um, on the field. The what then happens is they, as teams start to lose one or two or three, four games, um, several things happen. Team unity starts to deteriorate. 
Um, sometimes accusations come across about, oh, you should have blocked this. You should have blocked it. You didn't do this. You didn't do your job here. Um, not necessarily accusations as lying and cheating and stealing or anything like that, but more accus accusations of, of uh, switching the blame or targeting the blame on certain people. And essentially, less and less players come to practice. And that then impacts other things, which is your future play, your ability to provide quality football for future games. But it also affects uh, the team financially um, because some teams set up their financial planning, I guess you could say, where players pay weekly or monthly or however it is. And so if they see that they are losing and they have not paid their player fees or they have not taken care of whatever responsibility it is, then you will find that um, some teams uh, tend to have more, more and more players just um, abandon the sport or stop coming to practice. This also impacts the fact that some players will stop coming to practice and they will take equipment and supplies and, and property of the team with them, which then additionally hurts the team. So it's almost like the team creates their own destiny, uh, makes it come to fruition because they lose some games, then the team unity goes, then less and less players come, and then eventually you have less, you don't have enough players to um, put on an offense or a defense or both, right? So with that being said, it's very, very important when a team has even one loss and they're down in the dumps and people get bummed about it. And then, you know, sometimes players get upset at other players for not doing whatever they're supposed to do or whatever, um, that you keep the positive momentum going in these coming weeks. Okay, so that's on the football side of it, the win-loss side of it. Now, a little bit more into that is what you need to start looking ahead at into um, the next three, four, five, six weeks, which I call the pre-planning part of it and the off-field planning part of it. So I'm looking on this side at um, future funding for the team, uh, future costs that the team is going to incur. Um, is the team going to be able to travel? What still needs to be done to raise funds to travel? And this right now, um, in that standpoint, we're not looking week to week, but we are looking three to four weeks ahead. So right now you should be looking at, you probably, hopefully, you probably have the funding to take care of the first uh, three, four games, two, three, four games. And now you're looking at, I need to start preparing for week five, six, seven. And making sure that not only do you have enough funds, but you have um, the money to cover future stadium costs, um, referees, etc. Because let's let's face it, this is not a cheap thing to do. It, it does have a cheap or low point of entry for those business-minded people, which means that 
it's very, very cheap to get started in women's football. Right? You can you can register your business and um, sign up with a league for minimal amount of money. Um, but it has a significant um, cost structure. There's a significant amount of money that goes into it, um, especially and depending on how you structure your team. Some teams, as it gets later in the season, if they are... Um, Let's let's give two different scenarios. If they're winning games handily, um, week six, week seven, then they may only choose to travel, say, twenty five players to a long away game. Some teams do that out of pure financial costs, right? And we can understand why they would do that. Other teams um, have a different structure or approach and say. We try our best to get every single player to every away game. Now, the other scenario is to have all the players go to all the regular season games and then have a travel team for playoffs. Um, several teams use a different variety or a different um, combination of these things, and that's determined based on typically the team philosophy and the team funding. For those teams, you know, I understand that teams have this vision and this idea that um, they are owed or it is responsibility of the team to travel by bus. And it costs thousands instead of hundreds. And then by the end of the season, week six, seven, eight, they no longer have the funds to do anything. And they've already spent all their money because they did some poor planning at the beginning. Um, other teams have unlimited. They'll pay it, you know, give this impression that this is the way that teams are supposed to do it. Um, while 90% of the teams um, do not do it that way or cannot afford to do it that way, whichever they choose. So I am super pumped for uh, the Dallas Elite women's football team. And I'll just share a couple things about that. Um, we play in Dallas, Texas. We had a good game. I am so, so proud of our team. We've had a lot of um, trials and tribulations throughout the last two seasons, um, which you may or may not be aware of. I'll be putting a statement out here in, in the next day or two, giving you the, the details of that because um, – it's been asked about and it's been put out into the public. And so I am going to address it that way. The, um, with that being said, our players are one of the best groups of women that we have ever had come through women's football um, in our experience. Several times, you know, it's not uncommon for women's football teams to have a click, um, to have negativity. Um, and I'll, let's just say sometimes it is very difficult to get 50 women, and you've heard me say this before, sometimes it is difficult to get 50 women focused on one thing going in the same direction um, for the team's cause. So that means not, you know, 
sometimes you get them going in the right direction for their own reasons, but not necessarily for the team reasons, even then. And then sometimes you just can't get them in the same direction, go in the same direction. So um, sometimes it can be like herding cats, I say. Um, this group of girls is amazing. Um, they work together. They listen. They are constantly trying to help each other become better. And um, it's really um, a hard thing to come by in women's football. So we are super stoked to have that group. And then also I want to do a shout out to my coaches. We have an amazing coaching staff. One, two. I think we had nine of our coaches at the game, maybe 10, nine or 10 of the coaches at our first game. Again, we realize that this is a, a voluntary thing. Um, coaches do this because they love football and then they realize that they love coaching women in football um, because that is an important component and it is a difference um, in coaching men and women. But uh, the coaching staff seems to be going really well and um, we talked about this in earlier seasons. The more coaches you have, the better to, to kind of delegate the responsibilities. During off-season, during practice time, it's good to have several coaches, no doubt. But especially now that season's moving forward and stats are done and scouting teams are is going on in addition to the regular practices, um, it is time-consuming. It is a lot of time, a lot of effort on the coaches in your team to, to get this done and get it done in a timely manner. So teams that have practice on Tuesday um, – Games have to be evaluated from Saturday. Stats are done on Sunday. Games are evaluated on Monday, and it's presented to teams on Tuesday, typically. That's just an example of how we do it. Your team may do it differently, okay? So let's talk in my final, let's see what I've got here. Final 10 minutes or so. I'm going to talk about women's football in general and kind of the environment that we are in right now with the different teams. And I want to share with you guys, first of all, I do not have a problem with any other women's football team. I don't. Um, I'm putting this information out there for women's football teams um, to gain knowledge, have resources, and be able to maybe use some of these things that teams have used before that have been successful so that we can shorten the learning curve for newer teams um, to get on the same page faster, to not waste as much money, to not um, spend a lot of time on, on the wrong things. And when I say wrong things, just if you do a fundraiser and I do a fundraiser, it's not that your fundraiser is wrong or my fundraiser is wrong. Um, sometimes it just has to do with the time of the year you did that fundraiser that makes it a bad fundraiser for that time. Sometimes I can do the same fundraiser you can do. I make a hundred bucks and you make 5,000. I, you know, it just happens that way. So I try to present as many ideas out there. You guys can use them as you want. But um, you don't have to. But the goal is uh, ideally to get teams and team owners to share what they've done that has been successful, to get teams doing that faster. 
and to share what has not been successful to hopefully save some money for some teams or, or save some energy. Um, now, what keeps teams from sharing is the separation of teams and leagues in women's football. And I've talked a little bit about this before, but I will say again, despite any rumors, I do not have anything against any other league. I don't have anything against the Johnsons who run the USWFL. Um, in fact, I think my radio show that you're hearing right now is actually on Coach Johnson's uh, network. So we're good. I'm good with him. Um, I love my league. And I will share any and all information about my league to you to give you an idea of what my league does. Okay? With that being said, I do have a problem with misinformation Deception, smoke and mirrors, bait and switch, lying, whatever you want to call it. But it's not that I have this issue with somebody or some league. Um, I have a problem with it against everybody. So I don't take deception from my players. I don't take deception from my sponsors. I don't take deception from my children. So I, it's not that I have anything against anybody or any league. If a league is providing information as to how much it costs to play in their league, this is what you get for paying this amount. And this is how things work. I'm good. You know, there, there's been many leagues out there. Um, for those that don't know it, we started in women's football back in 2008, 2009. Um, we were in it for some years. We stepped away for five years. Uh, my husband was relocated. I went to law school. And we planned on coming back into women's football. And we're going to come back into women's football when we could not find a stadium that would, ex that would cost less than $5,000 in Fayetteville, Arkansas. We told the WFA, sorry, we're not going to do a team this year. And lo and behold, a few weeks later, somebody came to us and said, I need help with my team. So we are back in women's football. I've never lost that passion for women's football. I will fight for women's football. I believe in women's football. Um, I believe in protecting women's football. And I, I'll kind of share with you going back and forth about that that I feel a duty to protect women's football like it is my child. So I struggle with making sure that people are protected. At the same token, everybody here should be a business owner. And therefore, it's their own damn fault if they don't do the research and collect the information and ask all the different people involved so that they can make a educated decision for themselves, right? I mean, it is what it is. 
So I'm going to give you a couple examples. So the IWFL, and I don't know if they're still going or not. Um, I'm not uh, defaming them. Let me show you how this works. So, you know, whatever. Um, they're welcome to call me. Anybody's welcome to call me. Um, the IWFL's website for years would show teams. Um, it would show all these different teams up there. Some years it would show that they had 20, 30 teams. And it was an illusion. They either included teams that had played for their league in the past, but were no longer playing. Or they included teams that were going to play in future uh, years but included them on their website. And so when you would go to the website, you might see 30 teams and 12 of them were actually playing. Um, it continued to happen. Nobody, nobody called them on it. Everything, you know, it went, um, but here's two things. I have a problem with uh, presenting that you have that many teams and you don't. It's called illusory. It's an illusion. You're presenting an illusion to the public. Um, and then the problem with it is that, um, and again, I am not defaming anyone. I am simply stating a fact that during some years, the IWFL put out there that they had a certain number of teams and they did not. Okay? That's my statement. I have never met Kesnia Disney or any of the other partners in the organization. I don't know if they are actually having a season this year. Um, I did talk to her once, probably about 10 years ago, about the potential of her merging with the WFA. Um, but other than that, I have not spoken to her, and I have nothing against her. Um, she chose to run her business that way, and people uh, did business that way, and, and people did business with her and the organization, the IWFL, for years. Um, so... They were okay with that. Either they understood that it was happening or didn't understand that it was happening and didn't do anything about it or however that worked out. I don't know. Um, but again, I never had a issue, a personal issue with the IWFL. I, I do have a problem with giving the illusion that a league has more teams than it does, if there is a prospective team that's looking for a potential league, then they should be given accurate information to make the decision. Um, so they can decide which league they want to play in. Um, when the IWFL was presenting teams that were not playing in the league, they were giving the illusion of having all these teams. Um, again, I am not bull, I'm not pushing on anybody. I am stating a fact this actually did happen. Um, and that cannot be denied. Um, potential teams in women's football, potential teams make a lot of their business decisions based on money. And one of those elements in women's football is travel expenses. So if a, if a potential team goes to a website and says, wow, there's like 35 teams and I got a team right next to me and I got a team next to me over here and they're making their decision based on that, there's a big, big problem, 
right? Because they get into the get ready to go in the season, they find oh, seven of those teams don't even exist anymore, and four of them are from next year. So we really only have 12 teams. So I'm going to be traveling from I don't know, Florida all the way up to Chicago for a regular season game. Those things should not be happening. And I and I don't think they are. I I hope they're not. Um so but women's football has come a long way and it's important to make sure that um, information is being presented correctly. Now, again, I struggle with protecting women's football and telling people it's your own damn fault. If you don't look at the information and you don't call, when I start my business, when I started my women's football team, the first one 10 years ago, I called around. I, I called uh, my competitors, truly. This is, this is a true story. <laughs> one of them said, I'm not telling you anything, right? Well, at that time, I didn't know how cutthroat women's football was. So I didn't think that it was going to be a problem. When I owned a cleaning business, I did the same thing. Same thing. True story. Call around to my competitors. Not in the same city with me, but I would call... When I was in Denver, I'd call a cleaning business in Colorado Springs. I'd call a cleaning business in Albuquerque, New Mexico, in uh, Kansas City. And I'd say, tell me what the good, the bad, and the ugly is about having a cleaning business. And 99% of the time, people just tell you. Because I'm not going to be cleaning houses from Denver in Kansas City, right? So they have no reason to be threatened by me. I did the same thing in women's football. I called around. Um, I called the Toledo Rain, actually. I was in Dallas. I called the Toledo Rain because I was originally from Toledo. That was one of the first calls. I called the Pittsburgh Passion. And I can't remember who else I called. I think there was one other team. But I, sim- I said, look, I'm thinking about having a team in the NWFA at the time. And I would like an honest serious discussion with you if you have a moment to talk to me tell me what the good the bad and the ugly is about women's football and everybody told me this is what you want to do this is what you don't want to do this is the te- the people that are serious these are the people that are not serious these are the people you got to watch out for these are the people you can trust and eventually after several calls like that and not all of them were done before i started but um a handful were done before i started i learned kind of a consensus of what people were telling me. And of course, you always have A says not to trust B and B says not to trust A. You can tell that's a direct conflict. You got to find somebody that either supports or denies uh, wanting to do business with that person, right? So anyway, I don't say that you have to do this. I do suggest that you make good business decisions in whatever business you do, whether it's a cleaning business, it's a women's football team, um, it's a landscaping business, you're opening a coffee shop, a restaurant, whatever. You need to make these business decisions based on business information. So um, when I started, I did make those calls. I I did talk to those people. There was one team that told me, I'm not telling you a darn thing. And this is somebody that was like 300, 400 miles away from me. I never would have been able to have a team there. Anyway, um, the important thing about women's football is that 
um, the people be given an opportunity to play football, but also that um, the product that's being presented out there to the football community or the community at large is legitimate and true. Because any inaccuracies will come back to haunt women's football. With that being said, I hope everybody is having a great, great, great week two in the WFA. Posted some things on the um, owner's sites uh, for some uh, sharing. I've had uh, several teams reach out to me that I'm talking to today. Um, I um, Again, you can find my information on the website for the Dallas Elite or for uh, the WFA or for... My law practice or for wherever you can you'll no matter what i'm not going to say no you called me through this line i can't talk to you everybody you just call into one and it gets it gets routed to me okay so if you have any of those things that you want to talk to i do have a couple of teams that have reached out to me for this week particularly um with some questions and concerns that they want to talk about um but um i think everybody's doing really really well um you know, some teams are going to struggle this year, and we talked about this very early on with a number of players. Every year, it has to be the number one priority that your team have a significant number of players. Oh, sorry, yawn. Um, and this goes into several different components of your team. It's not just about quality of play or... Um, you know, some teams are concerned, well, if we have more than 40 players, then people aren't going to get to play as much. Well, that's not true. But the nice thing is, is that they, you don't have to play every down. You don't have to go both ways and do special teams and be the water girl and do everything else. It's nice to have additional players that can take on responsibilities um, and give breaks to, to teammates you know, at, at some point you can become, you know, kind of an equal playing field where, you know, when one team's resting, another team's protecting the, the, the score. And while one team's protecting the score, the other one's, you know, getting rejuvenated and rested to go back out there and fight for the team again. So if you guys have any questions or comments, uh, Women's Football Alliance, um, Lisa King is the commissioner. If we have any of those teams, now I'll tell you what, Just I just want to share this with you guys, not to toot a horn or anything, but the strategies that I have given you for recruiting players, okay, serious, the strategies that I put out there, they're kind of secret. I'm not sharing them with everybody, and you guys all know why. Those are on the owner's stuff, and I will tell you that in the last... Three weeks. So we just played one game last, well, two nights ago, three nights ago. I've gotten 10 new requests for players. 10, just in the last week. In the last three weeks, I've had over 30 potential players reach out saying, what do I do to become part of your team? Um, so... Even in the offseason when you're not recruiting, you can still be getting those names. Now, if your team is struggling and people are just now recognizing women's football, then you need to be keeping track of those connections that you're making and call them immediately. Don't wait until next year. 
We're only in week two. Those people can be brought up to speed. Now, I'm not saying that they'll be able to play in week three, but they may be up to speed by week six or, well, I guess they'd have to be up to speed by week four um, or at least play in a game um, to be eligible for playoffs. So they just have to play in a game that, I mean, I don't, that's one down. Um, so it's not like they have to be ready and fully equipped um, tomorrow to play on the team. So if you're having recruiting issues, if you're still low on numbers, or if you've had a lot of injuries and you've gotten low on numbers, um, you need to reach out to those people that are connecting with you and say, hey, come on right now. We need your help. Again, I thank everybody for their work and effort in women's football. And uh, you guys have a great week. I know we have a ton of games coming up week three. And I think that here in the next two weeks or so, the numbers on the rankings will start to um, level out, even out, um, because it will have less of the information from last season um, included in it. You guys have a great week. We will talk to you later. Bye-bye.